Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of the week's police and law enforcement news. I'm Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine, and with me today is retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli. And we're going to do like we do on this podcast and get right into it. First story, this past week, uh, the 46th annual Police Week kicked off. And as always, it was marked by a candlelight vigil and memorial service honoring the men and women who have fallen in the line of duty over the years. Uh, Frank, you attended some of the events uh, in D.C., this past weekend. Uh, could you talk about it? Yeah. So actually this week is police week. Police week is uh, whenever national peace officers Memorial day falls, which is uh, the 15th. And so actually Monday was national peace officers Memorial day. Um, every now and then this happens where the candlelight vigil is outside of the actual calendar police week. The candlelight vigil is always on May 13th. Um, and, you know, it's a sad state of affairs, and I've talked about this before, but it seems like it's always so, I mean, it's it's so close to Mother's Day. Um, and, and as much as we feel bad for all of the families, uh, all the survivors of officers who've given it all in the line of duty, made the ultimate sacrifice, I feel especially bad for the mothers that have lost, uh, whether it's a, a spouse or, God forbid, a child, um, sibling, other relative, I, I just... You know, Mother's Day, we celebrate moms. And then all too often, so close to it, we're honoring the fallen. Um, years ago, I took my son up to the candlelight vigil. And, and when I asked him what he thought after the fact, he said, it's a gut punch. And that's kind of how I feel every year. Uh, there, there's just no way, <clears throat> excuse me, to look at the number of officers who, who, who made the ultimate sacrifice and not feel like you're getting punched in the gut. It's 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 just so emotionally traumatic. Um, and by the same token, if you go to Tent City, uh, run by DC's uh, Fraternal Order Police Lodge One, if you just hang out at the memorial and talk to people in uniform, uh, especially if you're in uniform or in you know in plain clothes wearing a badge, if you're identifiable as a police officer, essentially there's twenty five thousand plus family members there for you. Uh, and, and it's it's a, a good emotional recharge for those batteries, you know, for you, sometimes it's easy to feel unappreciated, to feel targeted. Obviously, we are at times. That's that's why there's so many names on the wall. Um, but to, to to have the whole thin blue line family and all of the supporters in one place for a few days uh, kind of reminds you of why you do what what you do and how much support there is and how much appreciation there is uh, and even the lessons to be learned. None of the fallen want us to fall. Um, the candlelight vigil is a very emotionally moving experience. If, if you've never been, I encourage people to go. We used to have a brand manager who said, you know, well, so what you light some candles and some, you know, some politicians talk and, and he acted kind of like, uh, you know, so what? And then he, then he went and, and uh, I stood next to him for all for all of it, and when I looked over and saw the tears running down his cheeks, I realized he got it. It's it's hard to do and and not be moved by the sacrifices made by the fallen. Um, it's one of those 
mixed blessings. You know, every year I hate to go up there and every year I wouldn't miss it for the world. It's, 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 it's a reminder that's required. Anyway. No, and like you pointed out there, there is a, a power in, in sharing in that grief with a, with a group um, that, uh, I, and I've never been, but I, I can't imagine that you, you can't experience that in a lot of other places, if any, anywhere at all. And, well, and Joe, for you, forgive me for interrupting, but for mm -hmm. you, your, your father was in law enforcement. Yes. Imagine standing surrounded by all those people, some of whom their, their dad died in the line of duty. And how would you feel today? If your father went out, was doing something and, and got killed in the line of duty, thank God he's retired. You don't have to worry about that. But imagine being an eight, nine, 10 year old, five year old, 15 year old. And that's, and you've got to deal with that reality. It, it's uh, yeah. The grief is, can be overwhelming and, and thank God the supports there to kind of try to offset some of it. One thing I've noticed over the past couple of years too, that th this isn't something as, as far as officers uh, dying in the line of duty. It, this is not something that affects just big departments. Um, I'm seeing more and more smaller communities saying, we thought this would never happen where we live. A and they they have a police officer who was shot in the line of duty, killed. Um, so it, yes, it, it, it's something that um, can, can and, and might possibly affect your community as well. And it's it's a much bigger impact. I would submit to you, it's a much larger impact on the smaller departments. Not not to downplay the death of an officer anywhere, but I, I just don't see the people in Manhattan stopping and thinking about the New York City police officer who's killed in the line of duty the same way as you know people in some little town in, in central Nebraska where they only have five police officers. And, and everybody went to school with them and everybody goes to church with them and everybody see, you know, saw them work in the tobacco farm or the corn farm or whatever while they were growing up. Everybody knew them. They knew what the good about them. They knew the bad about them. They knew them. They, they, you know, they grew up with them. They went to school with them and they knew them personally. And then that person gets killed in the line of duty. I, I feel like that's got to have a bigger emotional impact on that, that community than losing somebody in a big city police department. Not that, and again, I'm not saying either one's more valuable or less valuable. But right. the emotional trauma for the community served has got to be larger when the person is individually known to bigger chunks of the community. Absolutely. <clears throat> Moving on also to this week um, marked uh, a group of officers also being honored. Um, six police and law enforcement officers were awarded the Medal of Valor, the country's highest award for bravery by a public safety officer. Um, among those who um, were honored at a White House ceremony were three NYPD officers, um, two of them who were killed in an ambush by a gunman uh, during a domestic uh, disturbance call, and then a third officer, a rookie officer at the time, who had uh, fatally shot the gunman and uh, stopped uh, what was happening. Um, a Houston police sergeant, uh, Littleton uh, police corporal, and a Claremont County, Ohio 
sheriff's deputy um, also uh, received the medals uh, this week. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like getting the Congressional Medal of Honor if you're in the military. You know, you get the Medal of Valor, you get called to the White House, president puts it on you. Um, and I don't care what agency you work for, they're going to let you wear that medal. They're going to let you wear that ribbon when you're in your dress uniform. They're going to be proud of you, uh, just as you should be proud of yourself. It's a shame that this is done posthumously. So often, uh, three NYPD officers, two of them died as a result of that uh, ambush by the gunman. Uh, kudos to Officer Sulan, who who fatally shot that gunman. Um, I'm glad to see him honored as well. And, and it'd be interesting if we could focus on his career and see how it goes or where it doesn't go. It, it, I would be curious to watch that across the span of the next 20 years. And of course, nobody ever, we, we won't. Only his command structure will. Um, you know, tipping my hat to uh, Sergeant Simpo, um, you know, working security in a mall and tackles a, a, a guy carrying a rifle. They say over 100 rounds of ammo. Yeah, well, let's be real with some rifles. That's three magazines, four magazines. Not, you know, doesn't seem like that much when you just count magazines. But, you know, kudos to this guy. He stopped what was potentially another tragic incident with, uh, you know, dozens of victims. And, and thank God that didn't happen. Um, the gentleman in Littleton, Corporal Farmer, uh, you know, you, you never know when you're chasing somebody when they're going to stop and just open fire. And uh, thank God that Corporal Farmer was there to be able to uh, help his wounded colleague and, and stop the shooter. Um, and uh, t hat tip to Deputy Farm down there in Claremont County. Um pulls a drowning woman to safety after her car plunges into a lake. And this is the kind of thing we never think about. You know, we think about shootings. We think about foot chases. We think about talking people off of a ledge. You know, we think about all that. Here's a woman has an accident, car goes in a lake, and this officer now has to be a lifeguard. And, and it goes back to the, the job description for law enforcement because every police officer out here, every deputy sheriff, they, they are all lifesavers you know, emergency medical personnel, rabbis, priests, referees, coaches, mentors, um, it, it, counselors. There's so much that we do uh, that people just don't think about. All they think about is, is writing tickets or making arrests. And they don't they don't think about all the other humanity that we have to help. But, but kudos to uh, all six of these officers, the two of them. It's a shame, again, that uh, they're awarded posthumously. Um, but kudos to them as well. And, and something you had mentioned um, before we started recording to the uh, of the two NYPD PD officers who had died and were honored, their families were there to receive the award. And uh, that is uh, got to mean so much to them to see that uh, their loved one, their their family member, that sacrifice wasn't was is being recognized uh, for what it was. Yes. I mean, and God forbid they actually, you know, somebody in that family think, well, this is never going to replace my loved one. We, we all know that it's never right. going to, but at least their sacrifice is being recognized and memorialized and honored um, and hopefully learned from in some way, because that's how you carry on the legacy. On to the next story. Um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantos is sending um state law enforcement officers to help um, 
with uh, Texas's uh, southern border. Uh, the state has been asked to help um, Texas officers deter, detect, and interdict criminal activity um, along uh, 100 uh, or yeah, uh, 1,250 miles of the border. Um, this isn't the first time uh, that Texas has done this. I believe it was a couple years ago. They uh, the governor had sent uh, troops as well to help, um, and there's this looks like it'll for about a month um, that they will be helping out in different capacities. Well, and we'll see how it goes after that. You know, um, tip of the hat to Governor DeSantis, uh, tip of the hat to Governor Abbott. It's a shame. Um, and, and let's not let's not leave out the Idaho Governor Brad Little either. Uh, is He's offered support as well. It's a shame that the aid, the states have to work together to do something that, uh, honestly, the federal government ought to be handling. Um, but, you know, not getting into the politics of any of it, 1,250 miles of a border is a long way. And, and to put that in perspective, if you took 1,250 law enforcement officers and put space them out evenly, that's one for every mile. And how is that anywhere near enough? When you consider that, uh, you know, in a border crossing, you could have a hundred migrants come through a space twenty feet wide. So, how do you have enough manpower? It just—it's you would have to create a wall of people on that border, uh, near impossible to do, but you know necessary unless you just want the com country overrun by illegal immigrants. Unless we talk about it as only humanity from a law enforcement perspective, let's keep in mind that. Let's say we have a thousand immigrants come across the border and people get offended by the term illegal immigrant of that thousand people. What's the potential that there's a terrorist coming in from somewhere in the world that gains entry as part of the, the human flood? What's the chances that one of them has been deported before and is coming back in again? And we don't have to look far because we had uh, we were talking about a case last week, I believe guy had been deported five times. And kept coming back and he's a known criminal so i mean obviously the border is too porous and, and the bad guys at a bare minimum the bad guys the people we've already seen convicted of crimes sent them back to their home country and they come back to prey on americans again they, they got to be kept out we got to do a better job of it so tip of the hat to these governors doing the work and wishes for safety for all of the law enforcement personnel, National Guard personnel going and doing the work. And as we've been seeing in previous podcasts and, and, and different news stories, this is not something that is only affecting Texas and, and the southern border states. This is this is affecting cities like New York, like Chicago as well. Well, um, and I, I, I personally... The two-year-old in me giggles at the fact that it is now, thanks to the actions of Governor Abbott it, it, and, and Governor DeSantis, it's affecting the sanctuary cities that have said they will take all these illegal immigrants and welcome them. And well, now they're getting them and, and they're realizing it's a problem. And some of them are changing their tune a little bit. So it's a shame that politics plays such a role in securing our nation. I'll leave that at that. 
on to the next story. Uh, Georgia lawmakers are trying to look at different ways to increase uh, recruiting and retention of state law enforcement officers. And one of uh, the proposed measures uh, is to revamp uh, the police pension system. Uh, the proposal would give a 25-year veteran of the state patrol, which is known as the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or other um, law enforcement uh, agency, a pension worth 80% of their final pay when they retire. Officers uh, would become vested after uh, 10 years, uh, and the benefit would increase uh, yearly with their service. Again, this is another, um, it, It's we, I'm sure we kind of sound like a broken record, but staffing is, is an issue that is affecting practically every department in the country and um, officials are trying to find different and inventive ways to attract and keep um, uh, law enforcement officers there. You know, I like to see them doing this um, and, and it, it may help. I, I like to think that uh, increases in salary and increases in retirement and pensions, I like to think they would help. What would help far more would be for every politician out there. I don't care what side of the aisle, every politician out there to, to make a public statement that says, yes, we understand these law enforcement professionals risk their life every day and we can't pay them enough. So we're doing the best we can. Wouldn't that be great? Now here's reality. You get people that say, well, this police officer who's getting paid $50,000 a year is driving around in an air conditioned and heated car with a radio and, and all he's doing smiling, waving at people. And that's what he does 99% of the time. So do we really need to pay him all that to drive around that car? Well, here's the reality on the other side of it. That other 1%, when that police officer has to run towards the sound of shots, the other 1%, when that officer has to jump in a lake and save a drowning woman, like we just talked about. The other 1%, when the guy has to tackle a rapist and hand fight him in handcuffs. The other 1%, when that officer has to lock up a crackhead, um, save a life by doing CPR, um, you know, hold a mom because her child's dying. And there's nothing he can do about it, but he's got to offer some con consolation. There's the 1% where you can't pay officers enough. And when I say you can't pay them enough, I want I want the average person, anybody out there not law enforcement listening to this, to consider what you would have to get paid when you pull up to, your, to the local mall and you go in to go shopping and somebody with a rifle starts randomly shooting people and you have to run towards those bullets. You can't leave like everybody else. You can't run away. You can't hide. You can't escape. You have to run towards that person with the rifle so that you can neutralize the threat and save lives. How much do we have to pay you to do that? It's going to take you two minutes. How much do I have to pay you for the two minutes? Now, I can't pay you a million dollars for the two minutes, but I can put you on a payment program where I pay you $50,000, $75,000, $80,000 a year so that that 1% of the time, we're still paying you adequately for doing your job. 
It's called a payment plan for what officers do that 1% of the time. And by the way, the rest of the time, we never really know what their impact is either. You don't know how much crime law enforcement officers prevent. You don't know how much other mm-hmm. good they do. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm glad to see Georgia doing this, Joe. I could rant on that for quite some time, but I guess we need to cover at least one more article here, which is going to be a little bit more fun. Our final article is, comes out of uh, Colorado. Um, this was a, an interesting case of an offender trying to place the blame on the nearest person, or in this case, animal available. Um, a Springfield police officer um, had uh, pulled over a, a vehicle um, speeding and uh, before uh, the officer had approached the car, he witnessed the driver uh, switching places uh, with his passenger. In this case, the passenger happened to be a dog. And when the officer approached the vehicle, the driver blamed the dog, said, hey, I, it's not me. Uh, it was the dog. Um, apparently, that, that excuse didn't fly, and the uh, driver... Uh, got out of the vehicle, tried to to run away, but was apprehended, um, and um, I believe uh, charged with uh, suspicion of uh, DUI and resisting arrest as well. I, I have to say that's the first time I've um, I've heard a dog having to to take the fall for someone else's drinking. Well, in, in this case, you know, drinking and driving. I love the fact that at the very end of the article, they say the dog doesn't face any charges and was let go with just a warning. <laughs> you know, they, they, I got to file this under the crooks or stupid file. Thank God for Darwinism. If if criminals were all smart, honestly, we would never catch them. And, they're, and, and our job would be really difficult. The dumb ones, you, you got to be happy, right? I mean, you just got to giggle. So this guy is so drunk <laughs> that he puts his dog in the driver's seat and he gets out of the passenger side. Now, I, I also, if you read the article, it says they caught him. At, at, they asked him if he had been drinking, and he immediately ran away, leaving behind his car and his dog. Number one, you abandoned your dog. Shame on you. I got no use for you. Number two, he was caught about 60 feet from where the incident began. Drunk people can't run any more than they can fight. But it's usually entertaining to watch. So so this guy ran about 60 feet, more like staggered, tried not to fall over, might have run into something, hurt himself on the way, didn't get 60 feet, gets charged with driving under the influence and resisting arrest. This poor dog, I hope somebody gave him a biscuit before they turned him over to the acquaintance and praised him for putting up with his drunk, dumb owner. But anyway, this is this is kind of a laughing giggling kind of moment but joe we got i think we have time for one more do you mind absolutely you can i'll let you uh i'll let you introduce it so we have an article up suspects surrounded by kansas police uses rideshare app for pickup and again i'm gonna file this under the dumb criminal section dude's a suspect and i don't know if this is smart or stupid but he uses uh, what was the rideshare app that he uses? Was it Lyft or, or Uber? I don't I even know. don't know if they, yeah, I don't think they identified the specific one. But he calls for a ride to, to get out of the area that the police have already set up this, uh, this perimeter. This is either the dumbest thing in the world 
or the smartest thing I've seen. <laughs> One or the other. Oh, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I thought that was my reaction. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, blend in. Don't look out of the ordinary. I'm, I'm, I'm just a guy getting picked up to, to go home or something. Um, but yeah, it, you're still drawing your attention attention with a I, I just it, it reminded me of uh, a video of uh, a few months back where a police uh, pizza delivery guy was walked through a police perimeter they had a, it was a standoff <laughs> to deliver a pizza yep <laughs> and like, I, never mind the fact that we're looking for a criminal and that's why there's this plethora of officers standing around this guy though so he's in hiding and he uses his phone to call for the ride and then when the ride shows up he just comes, doop, 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 doop. I'm yeah. on my way. But like everything's cool, right? Like the police aren't going to notice. I, and maybe you know what? Maybe he told the, the officers to he blamed he blamed his dog for it all. So that, who knows? That's it. That's it. That's the dog's fault. <laughs> well, that wraps up uh, this week's uh, podcast. Thank you very much for listening, um, and hope to hear. Hope you're back uh, next time. Thanks very much, Joe. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.